Hello, hello, and welcome to the Sparkle and Thrive podcast. It's Joy Foster, your host, and I am delighted that you're here. I'm even more excited to be joined by Yvonne Greaves because she's going to talk to us all about women's financial independence, financial empowerment. She has seen a lot of women make a lot of mistakes in the business world, especially when it comes to the financial side. So I'm really excited for her to be here. Yvonne, tell us a little bit about your massive role and what you do to help women in business. So thanks for allowing me to be here today to talk. I um, love my job. I get to meet the most incredible women every single day and every day is different. So essentially I'm responsible for helping more females to set up and scale in business all around gender, all around financial equality and all around just trying to make this world a better place for everyone, including my two daughters who hopefully will one day go into the world of employment and entrepreneurship. So big job, lots and lots of responsibility, but lots and lots of great parts to it. A lot of training, a lot of um, training our staff, a lot of meeting with or working with organisations, collaborating. Collaboration is a key and just getting that message out there that um, not only are we here to support you, there's lots of organisations out there that can support you along the way and you don't have to do it all yourself. That's such an important message uh, because women think they have to do everything on their own. I think that's one of the big myths that we're trying to bust at Tech Pixies is that you can't. You can't do everything alone and nor should you. And actually it's in combination and in collaboration with others that you learn and, and you make progress. So let's talk about, I mean, you see a lot of women's businesses uh, and you see the finances and the financials behind those businesses. Can you pinpoint some of the mistakes that women make uh, when they're setting up businesses, particularly from a financial perspective? So we all make mistakes in life, guys. Female, male business owners do it as well as females. But some of, some of the typical ones that I see with women um, is around the undercapitalize a business at the start, typically by around 30%. So right at that very early stage, not getting enough money to really sort of um, escalate their business and a lot of bootstrapping which is not a bad thing because you like you don't want to take on debt too quickly and like you want to build your your business in with strong balance sheet with with growth and you also want to learn over the way but i would say under capitalizing and then the flip of that is not asking for enough when you need it so i hear a lot of women say i'll get by i need more but i'll get by and that's okay, but we all, we see with male business owners, typically they ask for more than they need and females ask for typically less than they need. And now there's an awful lot behind that. There's a lot of gender preferences behind it. There's a lot of um, societal, there's there's huge amounts behind that. But I think the key is, is really getting to love the numbers. I see a lot of females that, um, and I say this as, a, as somebody that loves a good cash flow, get to love your cash flow, get to understand the numbers. I really, honestly, you need to know your cash flow because that's a key part. And um, get to know, get to love your numbers. And also, if you don't know, go out there and get support. But when you're getting support, ask for help and showing you how, what it means, what do those numbers mean? Because there's a lot of jargon when it comes to um, numbers around business and people like to make it more complicated than it is. So I would just encourage you to go out there, ask for support, lots of great content online, lots of great organizations that can support with this. And yeah, love the numbers. Why Why do you think, okay, we've got this fear of numbers. There's, I mean, I was that person, you know, when I set up my first business, I was like, I'm not gonna put a number out there as to what I wanna make, cause I don't wanna, and, and, and I mean, I'm a Christian, so I said, I don't wanna limit God. Like, I don't wanna limit what God can do in my business. So I said, I'm not gonna put a, a number, a financial goal. 
And I've learned over time that actually uh, it's a little bit like going to a bank. If you say, uh, give me a large sum of money, their interpretation of what a large sum of money and what your interpretation of a large sum of money is might be different. So you have to be specific. You have to go to the bank and say, you know, I need I write a check for a certain amount of money or we don't do checks anymore, but take out a certain amount of money or put in a certain amount of money. But you can't speak to the bank in terms of a sum of money. You have to be specific. And it's the same way with your business plan. Uh, and I also love this. Uh, I, I recently read in a book this idea of, you know, if you were trying to send someone a letter, you wouldn't just cut up all the individual letters and put them in an envelope and send the envelope to them. Or you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't just throw them a bunch of random numbers in an email and expect them to read the email. So when I'm really starting to understand uh, or or started to understand in business, probably six years ago was this concept of I need to put a plan in place. And when you've got a plan in place, that's when you can start to say, OK, well, how much capital do I need? Why do you think two questions? Why do you think women are afraid of the numbers and they don't know their numbers? And and then secondly, uh, this is more along to do with the undercapitalization. I I hardly know any women who borrow or get investment or crowdfund when they're starting out. They, I mean, most of the women in our program coming through our program, um, they they want to bootstrap everything. And I always say, look, there's great government loans, six percent up to twenty five thousand to get you started. There's crowdfunding. There's grants. Uh, they're just not even aware of what's available to them. But this this concept of actually taking capital, actually taking out a loan or doing crowdfunding or borrowing uh, or getting investment, it's so foreign to women. So why are they afraid of their numbers and why are they afraid to 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 borrow or or take investment or uh, raise money in some way? So I think there's loads of women that are great with the numbers. You know, we hate generalizing, don't we? As, a, as women, we hate to generalize. But what I think a lot of it stems from education. I think it stems from at school a lot of we know that there's a shortage of women in STEM, don't we? We know that there's a lot of lot of young women that are not taking maths, not going into physics, and and that that whole in that whole numbers area, we kind of get ingrained in it. Whether it's old fashioned family values, which I think are changing now, you know, like the, the the man dealt with the money when we, when we were younger, or or you know, like we're starting to see that change. Hopefully, in society, but I think there's also an element of. Um, sometimes the type of businesses that women set up, you know, like that more creative type businesses, um, that that sort of aspect, sometimes that doesn't align as much with, you know, like you, when you studied at school, you've gone down the arts route rather than sort of maybe the financial route. So there's maybe a little bit around there. Society, there's nothing like self-fulfilling prophecies, is there? When people say, oh, women aren't good at numbers. And then all of a sudden you think, you know, like, when am I not going to be good at numbers? And and you, you we all can grasp it we can all understand it we just maybe just need to learn it in a slightly different way or just have that little bit extra we love relationships as women don't we we love to build relationships we love to talk to other people so building in those better networks and bringing in those other networks to support us i also think that um yes we undercapitalize i also think we sell ourselves short a little bit i think sometimes it's especially at the start of a business you're so grateful to have the bit of business that you 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 sell it out too cheap you basically, um, you're offering out, your margins aren't there. So I think there's an element around negotiation as well. So we know that's typically some of this, some of the research, a lot of the research says around that negotiating piece that, that um, generally a lot of women maybe need to get better at that negotiating. I always remember, a fun, it's not a funny story, it's actually a really depressing story, but I remember a story of um, a business that I was looking after years ago and it was in the old fashioned days of checks. 
And I remember he opened up his drawer and this was every single check that he had to send out to his suppliers this like suppliers this month. And he said, I'll not send one of those checks until they chase me for it at least twice. He said, <gasps> and so when when you don't but you know, all he was doing was cash management. He was basically saying, the money's there, I've got the check signed, it's good to go, but I'm not going to send it until they chase the money. And I know that sometimes we have that fear of phoning up and saying, um, by the way, the invoice is due. Could you pay me, please? Um, so that I've seen that. I've seen I've seen some some divisions you know, like not um, sending out any checks until um, the their their check and um, their the other team brings in the money that day. So there's lots of different things. So we really need to get to grips with our cash, with our bank account, with our um, our, our invoicing, and make sure we're on top of that um, and chasing every day and asking. And it's your money, and it's your right to ask for it. Don't feel embarrassed that you're phoning up and saying um, you don't need to do it in an aggressive way. You can do it in a really well. We would do it in a really nice way and say. And by the way, is there any more business you can send me as well? Now that I've done a great job for you. I love that. I just want to come back to that for a second because what you said was don't feel uh, the you they owe you the money that you deserve the money. Don't feel nervous or worried about chasing them. But I love what you said at the end and then ask for more business. Who do they, who can they refer you to? Who can they connect you to? Is there more business that they need you to do? I absolutely love that. I'll tell you this one story that just came up. We have a progression membership, which is for people who finished our 90 day transformational program and they want additional support kind of as they progress with their new knowledge and skills. And um, we every Monday we say, okay, what's your big three for the week? And then on Friday we check in and say, okay, what did you do your big three and how did it go? And one of the gals on Monday said, I have to eat the frog and chase this invoice um, because I haven't been paid. And uh, so then I kind of messaged her back and said, yeah, eat that frog. Tell us how it goes on Friday. So she posted on Friday and she said, oh my gosh, it was like not a big deal at all. She just missed the invoice. She hadn't even seen it. And now it's been paid and it's in my bank account. And I think that's the part that people don't realize is, uh, like you said, sometimes it's cash flow management and they want those extra chases, which I'm not a huge fan of people who do that, but I understand why they do it. But then on the other hand, it could be that they just didn't see it or they were just away or they just missed it. And, you know, so there's that was such a great point. And, and you're absolutely right. And it's it's I don't agree with that, that that cash management technique either. But people are doing it. And if, if you're aware of it, then um, you are aware there's there was there were so many other techniques in the old check days you know, like sending it second class and that was one extra day to get to the bank account um it, there were so many so many things that people used to do it's a bit harder now because it's instantaneous you press a button and off it goes yeah um, but yeah um i certainly learned a lot from all those businesses and i think that was one of the great things when i looked after a large portfolio of businesses for five years i learned so much around all these businesses and all the different techniques and you saw the businesses that were so hot in their cash and so hot in their, and I call it old fashioned management. It's almost like they know where the cash is. They know when the cash is coming in, they've got a strong balance sheet. They keep the reserves, they bring money in and they don't spend it all, you know, like and um, count every penny as well. I, I remember one of my particularly successful customers saying is as tight as two coats of paint. He'll not pay for anything unless he absolutely has to. And it's not a bad principle to go by. Yeah, no, no, that's so interesting. And when we talk about underfunding, it's very interesting. You said that when people do get funding um, for their business, they tend to women tend to ask for thirty percent less than they need. And I know when I raised money for Tech Pixies, 
I uh, my initial goal was to raise ninety thousand, and I had about one hundred and fifty thousand of interest, and I turned uh, sixty thousand away, uh, thinking, well, I you know I'm I'm not going to need that, and lo and behold, you know, a couple <laughs> months later, it was all gone, and I was thinking, how in the world did that happen? And I had to crawl back to my investors and ask for some extra money. But I think one of the interesting things was I wasn't confident that I knew what to do with that much money, if it makes sense. Like I knew I was confident I could handle 90,000, but I wasn't confident I could handle 150. And when I did go back, because what happened was I did ask the, the the current investors or, you know, my, the existing investors, I asked them to top up, which they did at Christmas time. They were, bless their souls. This was a couple of years ago. And then what happened was I used that top up to invest in something that I felt was going to be the missing piece of the puzzle. And it turned out that it was the missing piece of the puzzle. Uh, and when I then realized I need more capital, I was able to go back to the investors I turned down and say, I've got a really good opportunity for you because I know what I'm doing with the money. Whereas when you'd invested in it, if you'd invested in it before, I didn't need it. Now I do. And I feel really confident I can do something with it. So it was interesting. It was an interesting journey. And I was really lucky that those investors wanted to come back in Uh and and that was and I and I was able to give them the same deal that I would have given them originally, which was also really nice. But it is it is interesting navigating that because before we took investment, I had done the government loan, I had done grants, I had done crowdfunding. So where do you think women need to start when it comes to funding their business? So your journey is fabulous and it's kind of it's quite typical of a lot of businesses which is fantastic and also all that learning that you've taken okay if you could if you did it again you wouldn't need to go through that learning but that the learning that you went through is one of the key parts it's really hard to say because it depends on sector it depends on the type of business you're going to have it depends whether you're selling to consumers or to businesses you know, like b2b or b2c you know, like lots of different ways of 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 um, financing a business at that very early stage i would always say that a bank's never the first place for that seed funding, like that initial bootstrapping, that initial money, because you don't have a, you don't have any revenue, you don't have a track record that a bank can assess. That's where you've really got to go out to external um, external um, areas to get that initial money, um, and often a lot of it through crowdfunding now, which is crowdfunding platforms are incredible. Some of the crowdfunding platforms out there, and you know what I love about crowdfunding platforms sometimes that's your market research in a way. Because if the crowd like it, then you know that you've got something. Whereas if nobody in the crowd likes it, your idea is not as good as maybe you thought it was. So I think crowdfunding definitely has its place. And in this world, um, I see a lot of fabulous women as well um, on crowdfunding platforms supporting the next, you know, like the next generation, the next wave of entrepreneurs as well. So crowdfunding platforms, family, friends, family, friends, savings is always one of the key ones. There's some startup loans that you can take out at the start when pre-revenue. There's some um, there's some funds. There's lots and lots of different ways. And that makes it really hard when you're an entrepreneur starting out because one of the biggest challenges that we see from females is where do I go for support? So the best places I would say to you to go to is go to your bank. Go to your if you have an accountant. Go to your accountant. Go to your local enterprise partnership. Go to your go to your your local chamber. Go to your friends. Go to your family. So go and do all that research. Go to the internet. You can't beat the internet as well. <laughs> go to the internet and try, but don't do it all alone. And don't think that there's nobody there because you know, like we met what, how, maybe a month or so ago. Most people are fundamentally want to help other people. So if, if somebody came to me and said, 
I really need a bit of support with this. Can you spare some time? 99% of people would say, of course I can. Um, what do you need help with? And I think well, that, and that leads us on to mentors. Yeah, I was just going to say that's how we met. So you and I are yes. on the steering committee for Digital Boost. And Digital Boost is a platform that provides free mentoring uh, for people, women and men across the country, or actually across the world now. Um, so if you need help navigating crowdfunding, you can go on to Digital Boost. You can book an hour mentor session with someone around crowdfunding or around fundraising or around you know various different things. Maybe you need help with social media. We have a lot of tech fixies who volunteered their time to be coaches on you know and mentors on the social media side. But what we've encouraged to the ladies who are offering their time up as social media coaches uh, or mentors on Digital Boost is also take take the opportunity to be mentored as well, be a mentee. So talk, yeah, talk to us about that importance of about mentorship. And actually it's so great that we have this digital boost platform where you can go and get free mentoring from people who are, you know, super high up in Google, super high up in NatWest, uh, super high up in BT. There's a lot of people willing to, um, to, to mentor uh, small business owners that are just getting started. So when we look at the sort of the four key areas that our customers ask us for support with it's always access to finance will always be number one access to finance helping business growth growing my business mentoring and networking and the mentoring digital boost is incredible that platform i've never seen anything like that platform and the, the dashboard that you can see on the back of it and the companies involved so um, to be able to what have a um, target of a million businesses by the end of january next year half a million women 200,000 um, ethnically diverse businesses. That's totally incredible. So I'm a huge fan of mentoring. I mentor a lot of women. I'm mentored by uh, by women. I'm, I'm men I've got mentors as well. Um, I gain a lot from mentoring, but um, hopefully I get quite a lot from mentoring as well. I would say finding a mentor can be the hardest part. So that's why I love Digital Boost because sometimes you like you just need a transactional mentor. You need somebody that I have a problem with my social media. Can you help me fix this? Or sometimes you need that longer term, sort of six, 12 months mentoring sort of support over the longer term. So I think also when you're looking for a mentor, be really specific about what you need help with. They're not there to run your business or, or to be that shadow director. I like to think of it as a critical friend. Someone to be, be there and sort of somebody to talk to. Because it's lonely. How lonely is it running a business um, when you... you you know, like you can't talk to maybe your friends or you're you know, like finding those peers in that that network. And then that leads on to networks as well. We know that women typically have less networks than than male business owners sometimes. You know, like, so it's around how do we build those really strong networks, especially as we come out of COVID, because we did some research with our customers. And what we found was we're as women, we really love that face to face connection. We really love that those really we are very relationship driven. And in the world of Zoom and the world of social media, it's really hard to have build those connections. So we're trying to do quite a lot around that. But a lot of our customers are just looking forward to getting back out into this world and meeting people face to face. And I think that's when you're like over a cup of tea, you, you really get to know those soft things about people that really build and cement the relationships. But mentoring, yeah, that's a long way of saying that find a mentor, be really specific about what you need it for at the moment. And sometimes you might need two or three different mentors at different stages. Um, but yeah, I couldn't encourage you more. And there's a difference between mentors and sponsors. 
I, I didn't know this until a few years ago. Um, apparently men are even better at getting sponsors than women. And that sponsor is somebody that will be pitching for you when you're not in the room. So somebody that says, have you heard of Joy? You should go, you should take some business, Joy, because she's incredible. She, they, will, they will deliver it for you. And I think as women, we need to get better at um, being that sponsor and for, uh, for other women as well. Oh, that is such a great point. I think that's one of the things I love about the Tech Fixies community, actually, um, because as we've gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, the, the worry in the back of my mind in the early days was, well, if we get too big, you know, how will people connect with each other? How will people know each other? How will they, you know, won't it just become this big, huge community and then no one knows anybody? And uh, we've done a lot of different things to combat that. We've created something called Star Pods. So when people come in, we put them into a smaller group of six to 10 people. They meet on a regular basis weekly as they go through the program. And we try and match them up with, you know, maybe some of the same industry or some of the same location, et cetera. And what we're finding actually now is that's not as important because you want the diversity of location, diversity of the different businesses that they do, because then actually that's where they can really work together and offer services to each other. And what we're finding is one of the reasons that Tech Pixies like doing business with Tech Pixies is because they've had such a mental shift in their in their mindset, uh, money mindset. They've had a huge shift in uh, and they've also had a, a huge shift in just the way that they look at the world and they perceive the world. And so they find doing business with each other a little bit easier than doing business with other people that don't have who haven't had that transformational change that we um, go through in the Tech Pixie program. So it's really interesting to watch that kind of spring up. We have um, we have a couple branding specialists within the community and they're doing a lot of branding for a lot of the other Tech Pixies. Uh, we have a lot of women or a couple women who've learned how to do uh, marketing funnels and they're now starting to do marketing funnels for women within the community. And so that's that's really exciting to me. We've got a gal that does websites. She's built several websites. She's advised several of our, um, well, probably dozens and dozens and dozens of our ladies on what to do, how to do it. So I do see this value of the network and what we're starting to see now post, uh, well, we're not post COVID, but what we're starting to see right now is, you know, every week we, we log into the Facebook group and someone's posting a picture of themselves with someone else where they've actually gotten to meet someone in, in, in real life, we call it IRL, right? So it's exciting to it's exciting to have networking coming back. Um, yeah, you touched on some great points here. So mentoring, network, um, and uh, and access to capital. What was the fourth one again? Business growth. Business growth around how to actually take my business from here and how do I get it to here. So we do quite a lot around that. But it's so interesting that you say, just coming back to what you said there around, you know, like you've built this community and this community are, are giving each other business. And then as those businesses continue to scale, then they will cross refer to other businesses. And before you know it, you know, like you know, like you've got this, it goes to the funnel goes just just like that, doesn't it? Do I can't do it next screen, but just goes completely massive and that's 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 fantastic and I always remember speaking to um in La Holy Top of Nottingham High Street and I remember she said to me and what's really stuck with me she said that um when they started off um in the kitchen table there was all these businesses on the kitchen table with them and as they've grown those businesses have grown and before you know it you've got this massive community of really skilled businesses and with a, a lovely ethos around it all around like collaboration around support and around and still making money as well which I just think I think it's fabulous. You can't beat the communities. And I think as women, we really, really resonate with that as well. Yeah. But business growth is, is a massive part of it as well. And I think it depends. Like a lot of people say, don't you just think language is so important when it comes to um, 
um, I think with all entrepreneurship, but particularly female um, entrepreneurship, women lack confidence, women are risk averse, women are this, women are that. And, and I just think it's just so limiting. And I think um, I try to get over that by saying like, um, like we have advanced risk awareness, for example, and I know it sounds a bit, but we do because before we're not really risk averse, before we come to a decision, we've analysed it, we've talked ourselves out of it five times generally, we've talked to our friends, we've done a huge amount of analysis of this, this, and then we've decided either to proceed or not to proceed. So we've really understood all the risks before we go we go forward. So to me, that's advanced risk awareness, not risk averse. And and the other thing around confidence, um, you know, like I've got two daughters, and like they're 18 and 20 now, but I just think, you know, like, if I keep saying to them, you're a woman, you'll lack confidence. You're like, guess what? They will lack confidence and we don't want that in the next generation. Um, and imposter syndrome, there's a massive one for, for and it's, it sits through me every day and I've got to get out my own way with imposter syndrome because um, we all have imposter syndrome for something um, and it sits with me. And sometimes, I don't know if you've ever been in a meeting, you've gone through the meeting and then you can't think about anything else about something that you said in the meeting that nobody else has remembered, but you're sitting torturing yourself for for it because you think I can't believe I said that that's such a stupid call you know like it, sit, it sits with everyone but I think yeah when it comes to business growth you touched on it right at the very start the business plan and we can all grow and we can all go think oh I really really don't want to do a business plan and it doesn't have to be a fancy PowerPoint presentation and be on a bit of paper it can be on the new tools that you do but actually putting it and putting it in writing and actually it makes you formulate it in your own head where you're going, what your plans are, who are your competitors, because we all think that we've got something unique, but often, often there are lots of competitors out there doing something very similar. And I think being aware of that and seeing who those competitors are, and I think in this, this I don't think I know, in the world of the internet, the research that you can do in your competitors is just phenomenal. And you just go in and you just see what works for them what doesn't work and then build all that into you into your proposition and i do think there is a place for a business plan and a place for a for a budget i'll tell you another funny story i remember um i used to get quarterly forecasts from all my customers and they were quite big businesses and i used to get quarterly forecasts so i'd get a cash flow a balance sheet and a profit and loss account and uh and um and it'd be the forecast and i one day i said to him oh you sent me through your forecasts and i've just got to check a couple of the the couple of the the numbers i just don't understand them and he said which forecast did i send you and i said what do you mean he said did i send you the real one did i send you the bank one or did i send you the accountants one <laughs> i thought well can i have the real one i think he sent me the bank one probably <laughs> that's so, so funny <laughs> but I think I think that the point there is you know, like um we all being realistic in the budget in the budget and in the forecasts and you know like we see I saw a lot of forecasts and they, they're turning over maybe five thousand, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, then all of a sudden a million and you think how are you getting there and how are you going to finance it? Because we, we all have that, especially that entrepreneurial spirit of total optimism and um cup half full. So I think there's an element of um banks tend to just like to, to um sensitize the numbers a little bit and um, ask some questions around them. Yeah, I, well, that's for sure. I mean, we definitely struggled getting bank financing. That was for sure, because two things. One, we're a social enterprise, so we, we care just as much about the uh, business impact as we do about the social impact. And uh, we have it built into our mission statement 
you know, a lot of people say, well, why don't you help men? And it's like, well, it's not about not helping men. It's about filling the gap that exists for women. Right. And so, you know, our mission, we have a mission lock in our um, business in articles of a corporation, if you will, or articles of association, which says that we, our mission is to uh, help women improve their access to employment through tech education. And that's our mission. And that's what we do. Um, very often we're working with women who have never invested in themselves personally. They've always sacrificed themselves for everybody else around them. They've invested in their children's education. They've invested in their partner's businesses in terms of time and money, et cetera, but they've never invested in themselves. And so, you know, we've had, it's taken us quite a few years to get the messaging right, to get women to start to believe in investing in themselves. And, uh, and, and we've now got it. I, I always like the, the, the concept that, you know, the person that comes into our boot camp is not the person who leaves our boot camp, right? The person who starts reading the enrollment page is not the same person who finishes reading the enrollment page. We, we worked really hard to create messaging that helps a woman to see that it's important to invest in themselves. Uh, and that can be an investment of time. That can be an investment of money. That can be an investment in getting someone to help you that can be an investment in uh you know the mentor you know getting a mentor etc but it's 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 something that we just know women must do to 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 get out of the cycle that they're in and get into a new cycle and into a new life and um, but that's taken us a long time to get the messaging. And it's, you know, I, I, I don't know epigenetics, you know, inside and out the way that, a that, a, an, you know, a scientist would, but I do understand generational poverty. Uh, and I do understand, um, this concept of for generations. And it's not, we're not talking like a couple decades. We're talking centuries for centuries. For millennia, women have had a role and that role is built into our psyche. And unless we stop and change our thoughts around it, this goes back to what you're saying earlier, unless we, we take control of our thoughts and we change our thoughts around it and adopt a new thought that we are worthy, that we are deserving, that we are knowledgeable and not imposters, that is where we're going to make the progress as women. Uh, no, I couldn't agree more. And it's interesting because I remember listening to an insurance organization um, talk once and they were talking about a female specific product that they brought out um, for the insurance market and take up was so low from females and they just couldn't understand why. So when they went back and did some research, they realized and the, the women were saying, we'll insure our children, we'll insure our parents, we'll insure our family and then we're last. We, we, are la we will ensure ourselves last on the list. And it's almost like you're last, you're always putting yourself last in the pecking order. House, you know, like children come first, the family comes first, the house comes, you know, like, and all these things. And then it's almost like what's left in the tank for me and for for um, for my business and my career and, and that aspect of it. It's so, so interesting, that that psychology behind it. And I think what you're doing, that that's phenomenal, what, what you're doing there. And it's having awareness that, you know, like, Sometimes it's hard to sort of put yourself for first and say, "Well, what about me? This is my time to my time to shine in a way. This is my time to sort of be there." And we see that with businesses as well. Sometimes people say, "Where did that business growth come from?" And and you know, like they've they've been running around, you know, like they've been they've had this sort of level of turnover for several years now, and then all of a sudden they've just exploded. You know, like they've exploded. They're massive, and often there's a trigger. The trigger is maybe the children have gone to school, the trigger the children have gone to university. You know, like there's always a trigger in there that, that something's happened that has given the female more time to go out there and um have time for herself to on the business. Well, I would say 
you know, the, the fun, I say this a lot. The financial trajectory of Tech Pixies did not change for several years. It was very flat. Even after I raised money, it was still flat. But it wasn't until January 2020 that I said, enough's enough. Enough's enough. I'm going to stop surviving and start thriving. <laughs> and that's when I just said, enough's enough. And, and yeah. really, I, I doubled down on my money mindset. I read probably around, I'm, I'm probably at this point, I'm probably at any, somewhere around 10 uh, books on money mindset that I've picked up along the way. Um, and really went deep. Um, I, I got a neuro coaching certification to really understand how the brain works uh, and and really, really started to get this concept that if you don't believe you deserve to earn money, you will not earn money. If you don't believe that you deserve to get paid for your time, you won't ask to get paid for your time. And it's almost like your brain sets up the, the sets it up, like you said, for sets yourself up for failure because you're not leaning into what success is. And we always say at, at, at Tech Pixies, you know, your it's like your your brain is like a it's it's like two rooms. You can choose to go into the room that says you can't do it, or you can choose to go into the room that says you can do it. And really you can't be in both rooms at the same time. So if you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't. And you just have to choose which thought am I going to lean into over and over and over again. And you have to you have to train your brain to lean into the thought that you can. But gosh, you know, if it wasn't until I really said, and I'm I'm done, I'm done surviving. I'm not going to survive anymore. I'm going to thrive. And that's when my brain said, okay, what does thriving look like? And then you start looking at what thriving looks like. And we just we had a quantum leap year. We just we just you know. In all the years we've been building up students in our program, in one year we doubled that. And it was just incredible. And not only that, but we doubled it in a way where students still felt heard. They still felt cared for. They still felt like they got the service that they needed and wanted and deserved. We didn't lose the ability to serve them in the way that we felt they needed to be served. So it's but it, but I had to I had to tell myself it's time to stop surviving. It's time to start thriving. And I really had to lean into that. I think that's absolutely incredible and I think it's so important and we mindset is a massive part so we've accelerator hubs across the UK and um, we've got business builder programs and we've got dream bigger program for for, for um, the school 16 to 18 year olds predominantly girls but it's open to all and a lot of advice is around mindset getting your head in the right space to actually go out there and thrive as you say um, and it's such a key key part of it because often we get in our own way don't we we get in our own way when it comes to our own success and and what I've also found in my career um and in this world i'm i with now the, the job i do the more i'm authentic to me and my purpose and my value i know it sounds but the more i'm authentic to my purpose and values the more people you attract that that are the same it's, and it's not about group think the more people that are the same as you and then you start to build this community around you because um i used to find that sometimes i thought why why does nobody think like why am i thinking differently to everybody else in my team and then i just realized a i was a, i was the only woman in the team and b um i just thought differently and that was a good thing because it's good to bring in fresh perspectives but i think surround yourself by people that are positive with you not just that will say yes to everything, but people that will be that critical friend, people that will will, will lift you up and, and help support you and, and help you along the way rather than almost drain you because you've got to watch those people out there. There's not many, thankfully, but they will drain your reserves. Yes, right. You, is, this person, is this person going to fill up my cup or drain my cup? And also, I think that's such an important yeah. point. I 
one of the books I read recently was talking about feedback and was saying, you know, just be very particular about who you get feedback from uh, and make sure that when you're asking for feedback, that they actually have some kind of context and understanding of the problem you're trying to solve. Because, you know, if you're thinking, oh, I want to go into being a fitness coach and then you speak to someone in your family who doesn't value fitness, you're going to get a very interesting perspective on whether or not you should pursue that career. Whereas if you were to go out and find someone who's doing that successfully and ask them what's working for them, that's going to be a much more beneficial conversation for you to have. So I think there's so many different angles there. Yvonne, tell us uh, where people could connect with you. Where can they, where can they find you? But also tell us what programs NatWest has available to women in business uh, and how they can find those. So connect through LinkedIn, Yvonne Greaves, I'm on LinkedIn, um, and um, we have lots of programmes. We have over 800 women in business specialists across the UK that we um, are externally accredited through Every Women Network, and we, they are there to support. And we have our business builder programme, which you can find on NatWest, um, NatWest um, Business Builder. We've got our accelerator programmes, which are open just now for applications. So have a look at the accelerator and um, the accelerator programme on NatWest or Royal Bank, if you're in Scotland or Ulster Bank in Northern Ireland. Have a look at the accelerator hubs. That's a, a huge amount of um, coaching and training that we offer there. We have our Dream Bigger program for, for young women and um, we have events um, across the UK on a regular basis. So connect with your local local enterprise manager and like just reach out to your local person. Um, and we're always looking for um, to connect great people. I spend a lot of my time connecting people and I think I think Joy, you probably do it even more than me. You spend a lot of time connecting because you think you should meet such and such and you should meet such and such. So um, we do a lot around the mentoring aspect. Um, so lots of different programs and obviously bank accounts, all, all the traditional services that you have as, as, as a major bank. So there's lots out there, but we have our um, Women in Business program and proposition that I, that I lead and um, yeah, I love it. I'm proud of it. And we work with lots of great partners um, and we just continue to grow and scale. Um, and that's that's the key to bring along every day along with us. I was going to do one final plug. NatWest Development yeah. Awards are open for nominations as well. And just give a woman a nudge to, to apply for the NatWest Development Awards because we all need a little nudge in life sometimes. And sometimes women just need a little nudge to say, um, I believe in you. You should apply for these awards. Um, phenomenal program, been running for twenty. This is our twentieth year. You know, and actually, let's just touch on awards really quickly because I think people need to hear this. I remember when I got into business, I just assumed that like you would get nominated for an award because you, you know, you, or you'd win awards or get nominated awards by people who loved you. And I, what I turned, what I've learned in in the end is yes, that does happen, and that's what happened with the Every Woman Award. Someone nominated me. But when you're first getting started with awards, you have to put yourself forward. And you have to know that that actually a lot of, like the very first award we won, we won the Female Startup of the Year from Enterprise Nation. That was the very first award we won. I had to put myself forward for that. And I remember being petrified about putting myself forward. And then I remember being in the finals. I even did a little live video right before they announced the winner going, I hope we win. And, blah, blah. and then we won and then I freaked out. And you know, but the thing is, is that award led to the Women in Business, um, you know, uh, Startup of the Year Award, which led, to, and we ended up winning about seven or eight awards off the back of that one award. And once you're award winning, you also stand out. And and even if you don't win and you become a finalist or you become a semifinalist or you become nominated, you know, these are all things that that they're like arrows in your quiver. I used to do archery. 
And it's that concept of, you know, these these awards, they boost your confidence, but they also kind of um, show the outside world that you're validated from an external perspective, even though realistically, you need to be internal, internally and internally validated at the end of the day. But it does give this external credibility. It does give this boost of confidence. And I do think awards are so important. And I love that you guys are sponsoring the awards. That is amazing. And I couldn't agree more. And one just thing, don't be embarrassed if you nominate yourself because it makes no difference in the judging criteria. It's all around the application and your application. So don't sit and think, oh, somebody that's been nominated is going to score higher. It's nothing about that. It's all around your application. And who can sell your business better than you? So put yourself forward. <laughs> put yourself forward. I think that is... Yvonne, that's the message of today. You know, put yourself forward, be brave. You know, we always say at Tech Pixies, put your brave pants on, uh, sparkle and thrive. That's like the name of the podcast. You know, the goal here is that we change generations of, of mindset for women and get them moving forward uh, and contributing in an incredible way to uh, business and community in the way that we know women can and should and deserve to. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the Sparkle and Thrive podcast. Uh, it's been a complete pleasure to spend this time with you, and I look forward to seeing you IRL in real life at some point uh, when we actually get to connect in person. <laughs> okay, Andrew, thank you so much. And um, yeah, I've loved it. It's been great chatting to you. Thank you. Bye-bye.